Good morning. It is truly an honor uh, to be here, and I would uh, like to thank Catherine and Wayne for this very gracious invitation and the Academy as a whole for the nomination. Uh, in the beginning, I was kind of uh, wondering whether I should accept or not. I am 36 years old. I still have a lot of things to achieve in life, and frankly, I'm flattered that I would be chosen for this award. Uh, I decided to accept it upon hearing that uh, truly it was really an opportunity to meet such young and distinguished minds and future leaders, uh, both here in the United States and abroad. So I will accept the uh, award gladly, and I will accept it on behalf of everyone who has worked so tirelessly in Bahrain to make uh, our country um, prosper, reform, and move forward and join uh, the global community as it should. Just a little bit of, about me. Um, I grew up in Bahrain, I went to high school in Bahrain, I went to university here in the States, uh, and then uh, did my graduate degree in Europe. Uh, that gave me a very valuable insight into how large the world really is, and on the other hand, uh, how small it can be. We are all uh, citizens of this globe, and I see myself as a global citizen today. I'm a Bahraini first, but I realize my responsibilities and duties extend far beyond the borders of my nation. Some of you, of course, uh, well, all of you, I'm sure, have been following uh, the news that has been coming out of my part of the world over the past few years. Uh, we have been living with that kind of life for the past, uh, well, uh, past few decades. Our region has seen three major wars in the last 20 years, and it, it continues to be a source of instability um, on the global stage. So really, um, there is an increased responsibility for people uh, of my generation to ensure that we do not repeat this cycle and that we put in place a sustainable future for our own people uh, and the people and our neighbors uh, to allow uh, growth and prosperity uh, to flourish. I think it would be useful just to give you an idea of where I come from, uh, how dramatic and fast the changes have been over the past few decades. Uh, I come from a country where, true, we had education for boys and girls from uh, the early 20s, but it was only until the 1960s that we started increasing the number of high schools in any significant number. Uh, our economy now uh, has gone from one where literacy rates were, were quite low in the past 30 years to full literacy uh, at this point in time. We went from a uh, relatively small corner uh, of Arabia uh, that was famous primarily at one stage for pearling to now one of the most uh, geopolitically strategic uh, locations in the world. Um, we have been thrust onto the global stage. Uh, we are punching way above our weight in the region, and I am not under no illusions of why. It is primarily due to uh, the interest of global powers in the region and ensuring its stability. We, of course, have a blessing and a curse, which is oil. Uh, I was very happy in the late 90s when oil became, I think it was 11% of GDP, and that was at, I think it was about at $8 or something. Uh, but as we all know now, uh, oil is not at $8. It is far more uh, valuable than that. And it has now crept up to 
uh, close to approaching, I believe, about 30% of GDP. And this is, not, this is a good thing in some ways because it's allowed us to spend money on healthcare and education and it, it is a luxury. It is a luxury of unearned income. Um, but eventually, uh, populations keep increasing. Oil actually is decreasing as a natural resource in Bahrain. And we need to put in place uh, the foundations of a modern economy. So what we have decided to do is to uh, tackle this on three fronts. We're going to invest in people, as we have done in the past. We're going to uh, reinvent the role of government, uh, and that from being an owner-operator to a regulator. Uh, and we want to stimulate business. Um, we want, uh, in effect, for the private sector to be the main engine of growth moving forward as opposed to the public sector, which is the case today. Ladies and gentlemen, although this is uh, interesting and it is relevant to me and my, my countrymen, I think if I was to impart something to you, I would like to discuss uh, just a little bit about the mindset, the mindset of reform. What does it take? What does it take to stand in the face of adversity, doubt, uh, and rise to the challenge? There, we have heard a lot, uh, or I have heard a lot in many seminars such as this about passion, vision, courage, but very few people talk about fear. Very, people, very few people talk about the effects of fear on humans trying to work collaboratively on any one project. Fear can drive uh, individuals um, to not work well together in groups because they're afraid of compromising on their values. And fear can also drive others never to take a position. They always want to agree with everybody and they want to become part of a team and they never take a stand. It is very important that uh, for, for the young people in this room, you understand that really that, that kind of self-doubt needs to be grabbed and understood and, and channeled in a positive way. I cannot begin to tell you uh, the number of challenges we have faced uh, pushing forward some quite controversial reforms uh, due to fear. Fear of change, fear of loss of authority, fear of uh, monetary uh, instability, fear of the unknown. And if I can say one thing, it is far better uh, when one has a passion and a dream to stick to it and to believe in it. Uh, now, of course, you, you don't want to be uh, an iconoclast all, all on your own. Um, but don't try and please everyone when you're uh, shooting for your ambition. Really, just believe in yourself and understand that a lot of the times, the resistance to what you're trying to achieve, and believe me, you will get a lot. I haven't met anybody trying to do something worthwhile who hasn't faced a tremendous amount of resistance yet. Um, you will face a lot. Just have faith and call stuff for what it is. Let me give you a small example. Uh, a lot of our economies in the Gulf are really dependent on cheap guest worker um, laborers who come in from Southeast Asia. Now, this has in one way been a benefit uh, to, to our national economies, and I make no excuses for the horrible conditions in which a lot of these workers have come to find themselves working in, but it is unsustainable in the long run. And uh, the team, uh, I also head, by the way, the Economic Development Board, which is a private-public partnership, 
that is charged with, um, it was started out as an investment gateway and I quickly changed it to an agent of economic reform. Um, but this organization, the Economic Development Board, took on this challenge of really studying the effects of migrant uh, labor and figuring out what was our long-term long strategy. And we have decided that we will move away from this system uh, of indentured servitude and hopefully uh, build a economy that is based on real productivity gains. Uh, there are many ways to make a cheap buck in this world uh, and none worse than exploiting the vulnerable and the poor. This uh, program took two years uh, to implement and it basically involved giving full rights to all workers within, a, within the national economy. You would be surprised that here in the United States you have a visa called the H-1B visa, which I strongly urge you to scrap. That is a very similar uh, system to the one that we have at home, and it was designed for high-tech workers, uh, and it is being exploited as we speak here in the United States, holding people beholden to certain companies, getting them here, and then forcing them to work for lower wages than they possibly could, ha could earn uh, if they had mobility. We had a sponsorship system that we have now scrapped. We allow free movement of labor between employers. A work permit is a work permit, whether you are a citizen or not. We have instituted a tax on, um, uh, on guest workers, uh, not on, for them, on the employers of guest workers, uh, and the, to equalize the costs to business of employing either a naturalized citizen or a foreign worker, and the proceeds from that will be poured straight into training. So we be, do believe in an open economy. We don't believe in closing borders. Uh, eventually, we hope to be able to move to immigration. But this battle uh, that took two years uh, of, uh, well, my life, uh, fighting with our parliament, with our uh, business community, with our labor unions, was truly a test of wills. Now, let me just say uh, that to all you young people here, don't believe everything that you see. When you are told that this is the way things are and this is the way they've been done for so many years, that doesn't necessarily mean they're right. We believed in what we wanted to do. We saw a possibility of changing it, and so we did. I've probably taken up more time than I should have. I thank you for listening to me. I urge you to believe in yourselves, and don't let the fear hold you back. Thank you very much.